So there's sometimes an understanding, but maybe not always properly implemented, and that is uh, evangelization and catechesis to the areas our church has been lacking for the last several decades. We've lost, we've lost a sense of the sacred. We have lost a sense of the truth. And we're now paying the price. We're paying the price within our church um, of bishops, even cardinals and others who are not upholding the truth of the faith. This is why we need to go back to our roots. This is why we need to go back to the basics. It's like in football. You learn to block and tackle before you start all these extravagant other approaches to the game. Now, St. Andrew is a perfect example. Why? Because let's look at a disciple and an apostle. The word disciple means a learner, to learn. Many come to the Lord and say, I want to learn. And that's maybe why the reason you're here with us, Mary and fathers, we try our best uh, to teach and, and to bring, most importantly, uh, the sacraments um, to you if you're homebound through the Internet or hopefully at your own parish if you're physically able to go. That's the best. But you are a learner. As a disciple, I learn, I learn, I learn. Then when you are ready, God sends you out. Then you become an apostle. An apostle means to be sent out. But we first have to learn as a disciple. Then we are prepared to be sent out as an apostle. That's how Jesus did with these 12. He calls them today. We're doing the proper reading for the Feast of St. Matthew. And he first calls them. But what did he do with them for three years? He taught them. So they learned. Now we have a little mini version of that in our church today, and it's called catechesis and evangelization. But one of the problems in our church is that we haven't evangelized. Now, what's the difference between evangelization and catechesis? Well, okay. In evangelization, I, I show someone why you want to follow Jesus. Catechesis is how you follow Jesus, what you do, um, how you do it. But we can't catechize before we evangelize. We have to first evangelize people in our own pews. There are Catholics sitting in the pews that have never been evangelized. They're just here because, well, my mom made me go to Mass and, you know, she died last year and I think I should just go. But you're not engaged. You're not, you're not focused. This is why we haven't evangelized. Evangelization is the most important because it's why I want to give my life to Jesus. Who is Jesus and why do I want to give my life to this man? Well, that's why Christ called these apostles. He first, again, taught them uh, who he was, showed them who he was, and then sent them out. They learned as, a, as disciples, then were sent as apostles. So anyway, this is important because Christ needs people willing to learn. That's the first step, that you're willing to learn. You're willing to, to give up. Um, um, and, and, and serve him. All right. So the Christian is not meant to bring his own opinions to the table. 
to create his own truth, to redefine marriage, to redefine gender. The Christian comes to the table to learn divine truth, to learn that truth is only one and there is not multiple truths. There's one divine truth. And you come to the table first as a disciple to learn. Then, then, if a leader is about to begin a great mission, the first thing he has to do is prepare a staff. This is what Jesus is doing. As a leader, he's now picking his staff. He has to pick the right people, the people who want to be there. The people, and even if they don't want to be there, the leader tries his best to show them why they want to be there. Like here at the shrine, why do you realize the huge mission you're a part of? The, the employees here, um, you know, you're part of something more important than ever, ever done at Microsoft or Google or, or, or Apple, any of those places. Yeah, they could be making more money or whatever. And I understand that. We have bills to pay, but there's nothing more important that is what is being done at this national shrine and in the church today. And so a leader has to pick a staff. And, and you know what? They were ordinary people. They were not great or extraordinary people. They had no wealth, academic background or social status. You've heard me say before, my goodness, look at the team Christ picked. One betrayed him. One denied him three times. The other didn't believe in the resurrection. And all but one ran away from the cross. I always say, geez, Jesus picked an all-star team. It shows that anybody can become an apostle. I think this is amazing. They were chosen from the common people. People who did, men who did ordinary things just like us. Even men who would hate each other could be brought together. You always heard me say Simon the Zealot, not Simon Peter, but Simon the Zealot. A zealot's job was to defend Israel and kill its enemies. Well, who was Matthew? He was a tax collector, considered an enemy of Israel. Technically, those two should have killed each other. But here comes Jesus. And if you both love, okay, here's the thing. You can learn to love each other if you both love Christ. You can learn to love each other if you both love Christ. You know, a lot of times people accuse religion as dividing people, but actually Christ brings us together. And this is the whole message. So Jesus calls them. Jesus calls the apostles. He does not force us to follow him. He never will. Um, he offers to be his follower. The church invites us to follow Christ. They do not force us to follow Christ. I get these letters all the time on YouTube. It's so funny. I've explained how this works. I figured out YouTube amazing because the first two or three days of any video we put up there are always wonderful. You know, uh, praise be Jesus Christ. Mother Mary, you know, our guide to Jesus. They're all beautiful. But after three days, they start to turn vile. And, and uh, you know, Mary's the whore of Babylon and, and all the vileness and the church is nothing but oppressive and, and rules. It, it's, it's like clockwork. You can see how this works. The disciples and the apostles, they see these videos and they try to share them with their fallen away brethren. And this is good. This is good. 
and they try to share them with those who have fallen away. And that's where the vileness comes out. I am completely comfortable with that now. At first, it used to bother me. Now, I'm thank you, Lord, because even if the smallest seed is planted in this, this person who's been so vile to the Catholic faith, that's, that's all. You can do the rest. It's not up to us. We don't do it. And I kept thinking, Lord, as, as your priest, we got to convert these people. No, I can't do that. All I can do is plant a little seed and let God do the rest of the work. And it's the same for you. So the church isn't forcing anyone. They're giving you a choice for salvation. They're giving you the chance to use your free will. Man is free. You have the choice to be free and faithful or enslaved to sin and faithless. You know, you can accept it or refuse it. It's your choice. Now, the Jews, this is interesting because the Jews are God's people, but they wandered away from God. Now, God's giving them a choice first. He goes first to the Jews. And then when they rejected him, then he goes on to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. So the task of the disciples was to bring the Jews back to God first, right? Then later the Gentiles. So God's intention here is to, you know, bring the whole world, reach the whole world and bring the whole world to Christ. And it's starting with the Jews, and so this is why these men were Jewish. So the task of the 12 <clears throat> was not just speaking words, but doing actions, deeds. All right. What did Jesus command these apostles to do? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Did he just say, don't worry about doing anything as, as long as you believe I exist? I think that's why the first reading from Paul, or not from Paul, but brother, <laughs> postulate Paul, um, first reading for, uh, that he read was talking about the need to believe, but believe is more than just professing in our lips. We have to believe in the sense that we live it in our lives. And so all of these are important. They describe that Christ wants to reach us in not our just belief, but in the way we live. So to finish, St. Andrew, he was the first of these. Here I've been describing apostles, first disciples and apostles. Andrew was the first. So he's a special feast. It's no wonder. It just occurred to me today. I, I can't believe this. I've been a priest for almost nine years. And it just occurred to me today that the first saint in the church's new year is Andrew. The first saint. Because we started a new year and Advent is always the Sunday immediately before the feast of St. Andrew. So you want to know when Advent starts? Just go to November 30th and then back it up to the, the, to the Sunday right before that. That's the first Sunday of Advent. That means St. Andrew, because the Advent is the new year of the church, the beginning of a new church liturgical year. That means the first saint celebrated every year is St. Andrew. And it just occurred to me this morning, that's because he was the first apostle. And so we can follow his example, all right? He was the older brother, St. Peter, right? And he, who was he a disciple of, speaking of disciples? He wasn't originally a disciple of Jesus. Who was he a disciple of? John the Baptist. And John the Baptist introduced him to Jesus as the Lamb of God. So after spending a day with Jesus... Andrew told his brother that he had met the Messiah. Have you spent a day with Jesus? 
Can you find the time somewhere along the line to spend a day with Jesus? We find time for vacation. We find time for recreation. Do we find time to spend a day with Jesus? Andrew did, and he declared him the Messiah and announced the good news. He shouted it out. What is that? That's why we call him an evangelist. Always confused. People are confused. What is an evangelist? Like Luke the evangelist. Evangelist means <clears throat> they announce the good news. So it's believed that Andrew was one of the closest to Jesus. Right? Along with Peter, James, and John, it was he who told Jesus about the boy with the loaves and the fishes. Remember? The boy that had the loaves and the fishes. It was Andrew who told Jesus about that. And then Philip came to speak to Jesus when the Greeks were looking for him. They want to meet you, Jesus. Well, he spoke to Andrew first. So Andrew plays a role here. He went on to preach through what is today Greece and Turkey. Boy, that's a place that needs it, right? Because of the Islamic influence in Turkey. Now, there's some apocryphal writings. We don't follow them as being inspired by the Holy Spirit, but they can be helpful to learn things. There's one called the Acts of Andrew. It's an apocryphal writing. I mean, it's not in our Bible, but we can still look to it. And in that he was crucified on a cross known as a crux Ducasata. Now, this is the X-shaped cross. So here's what's interesting. This is also called the saltire. It is commonly referred to as St. Andrew's cross. You ever see the flags with the cross? Now, I know the first thing that's going to come to mind is the Confederate flag, and everybody wants to jump up and scream racism. That's not the intent that the states of Alabama and Florida have in their state flag with the cross. The X on the state flags of Alabama and of Florida. God bless both those states. They're two of my favorite states. I love those two states. And the X on that flag is the St. Andrew Cross. And Scotland. Scotland, you know, the blue and the white flag that has the cross, that's a St. Andrew. Because he was hung on a cross, unlike our Lord's, with the perpendicular and the parallel meaning this life is horizontal, or a perpendicular and horizontal, or vertical and horizontal. <laughs> I knew I'd get it somewhere. Um, he was hung where his body was on an X-shaped cross. And so he didn't think himself was worthy. He requested to be crucified this way because he was unworthy to be killed in the way Jesus was killed. And so he's a very special saint for me because he's the patron saint of fishermen. <laughs> so I should pray to St. Andrew. But a couple days a year, Mark and, Brother Mark and I get to go out fishing that we don't drown or that something doesn't happen, right? Um, the name Andrew in Greek, I like this, means manly, brave. And I think of Scotland, Braveheart. This is your true Braveheart. And Scotland has his flag. Um, this, is, this is very, very, very powerful. And you know, here's something very interesting. You know who he's the patron of? Get a load of this. And I mean this in a respectful way. He's the patron of Ukraine and Russia. The two together. Wow. We really need to pray to him today. 
because saints on their feast days have special favors. God gives them special graces to intercede for us. Please, I ask all of you, and I am offering up the intention of this mass for peace in Russia and you between Russia and Ukraine. He is the patron. It's unbelievable. Andrew is the patron of Ukraine and Russia. And so he would, why? Because he was in those areas. He was in those areas. He also founded the See of Byzantium. This is, became Constantinople. I mean, that's huge. And so uh, that was right after Christ died in AD 38. He was installed the bishop there. And so to finish, his relics ended up in Scotland. And I mentioned Scotland. That's why their flag is blue with the white X cross. People don't know this. People who want to criticize or cut down, this is our Catholic Judeo-Christian roots. Even countries like Scotland that want to declare their, their, um, their atheistic views, no, your foundation is Christ. Look at your own flag. Blue flag with the white cross. And so this St. Andrew's cross is powerful. And so it's fitting that the feast of St. Andrew be an important feast. Um, it's the first and the proper of the saints, as I mentioned, and especially for Ukraine and Russia. So let us today invoke the intercession of St. Andrew, the first apostle. And whenever comes something as the first, it's always one of the best. So let us pray to him and help us, St. Andrew, to live in peace, but most of all, be apostles of Christ. Disciples first to learn of him, and then apostles to be sent out in love of him. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.